Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of the Mile High Show. You're listening to episode number 187. I recorded this episode over at Mark's Beer Garden in Prescott. They are the sponsor of today's show. You can find out information on Mark's at Mark's Beer Garden on Facebook. They have a rotating list of guest musicians that pop in and out of there, some great shows on the weekends, and a twice-monthly comedy show hosted by friend of the show, Vince Dalkey. He uh, was a guest a few weeks back, so drop in on the, uh, the uh, milehighshow.com for uh, all our back episodes, including my talk with Vince, recorded at Mark's Beer Garden a few weeks ago. Vince is a Phoenix-based comic who has just recently relocated to Prescott, Arizona, my, my neck of the woods. And he, again, twice monthly at Mark's Beer Garden, hosts an open mic featuring uh, local stand-up comics, storytellers, and musicians, followed by a booked comedy show where Vince brings in some of his comic pals from the Phoenix area. That happens every other Friday at Mark's Beer Garden. Follow them on Facebook for information on those and the musical showtimes and their drink specials and their food specials, all that good stuff. It's a good little neighborhood place to hang out off of Iron Springs Road in Prescott, Arizona. So that's who brought this show to you and who sponsored us as I took up space the other day at Mark's with today's guest, Mr. Dan the Brit Comedy Doc Nightingale. Now, Dan has been on the podcast before. He was a Chino Valley resident, neighbor of mine, and a medical professional dealing with uh, issues of the brain. So it's only fitting that he talked with me. Didn't cure me, though. He didn't... uh, And I've been asking him for a prescription for years. He just won't kick one out. He deals with dementia, Alzheimer's, and other brain-related issues and and, uh, illnesses. But he also is a stand-up comic. Now, he spent a few years here in northern Arizona, living out of his home in Chino and working out of the uh, office both here locally as well as down in the Phoenix Valley. And then uh, a couple of years ago, he, he moved to New York, took his practice and his stand-up there, and uh, is now back in Arizona after about a two-year sabbatical. So uh, he's updating us on his medical practice as well as his comedy shows. You can find out info on his medical practice at DementiaTherapySpecialists.com. And you can find out his comedy stuff at BritComedyDoc.com. Links are right there in the show notes. His wife, Kathleen, popped in for a couple of minutes as well to uh, give us an update on a new nonprofit she started up and some programs she has coming up. So we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Check out Mark's. Check out Dan's website. uh, Follow them both on Facebook so you can find out what's going on in the Prescott area as, way, as far as entertainment goes. A uh, quick reminder, the milehighshow.com is also supported by you, the listeners, by using that Amazon link at milehighshow.com. Right there on the bottom of the page. It's featured on the top of the page. It's everywhere. You click on that. It takes you to your standard or prime Amazon login pages, and you shop away like normal. doesn't cost you anything extra. But it does let Amazon know you got to them through us. 
and they give us a little kickback at the end of the month. So please use that link. It helps us pay for shows and travel and uh, perks to our guests and picking up dinner tabs and things like that for our guests. So please use that link, the Amazon link, at milehighshow.com. Keep in mind, the Mile High Show is also, this is something I'm very proud of, after working at Big Pine Comedy Festival for the last few years as the festival photographer, this year, the Mile High Show is one of the featured podcasts being, uh, being presented by Big Pine Comedy Festival. Information is at BigPineComedyFestival.com. Uh, the podcast will be running throughout the weekend starting September 19th. We will be recording in front of a live audience on September 19th at 5 p.m., at the Southside Tavern in downtown Flagstaff. The festival itself will run through uh, the entire weekend. Let's see, what do we got for schedule-wise? I'm right here at BigPineComedyFestival.com, September 19th, 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Who's there? How about national headliner Nick DiPaolo, Dwayne Perkins, Kathy Lewis, Jen Kober, Big Iris Jay Hollingsworth, Trenton Davis, Tony Tripoli. It goes on and on and on, including local and Arizona favorites, Amy Blackwell, Anthony Decimito, uh, Chris Gillespie. He's going to be there. Hilarious guys. Uh, Eric Sobchak, friend of mine, Ernesto Ortiz, Aisha Renee. Oh, my goodness. It goes on and on and on. Who is uh, Christopher Royer, former guest of the show, Mary Upchurch, Leslie Barton, never, never disappoints, Mason Pipes, Matt Micheletti, Mike Dapper will be there, Anwar Newton, Michael Turner, it goes on and on and on, it's going to be a blast, please, please show up when we record on September 19th at 5 p.m. at the Southside Tavern, but if you can't make it for then... Come to one of the later shows throughout the whole week. It's going to be a great time, great stand-up, improv, sketch, open mics, seminars and workshops during the day. Some of the powerhouses of Arizona comedy, including club owners and bookers and agents and managers, will be there giving seminars and workshops for the talented artists that will be attending. And a lot of those are open to the public, and a lot of them are free some of those workshops and things and a lot of the podcasts are free including ours september 19th 5 p.m at the south side tavern so we hope to see you there enjoy my conversation with the brit comedy doc dan nightingale recorded at mark's beer garden and please use that amazon link so i don't have to go to your house and borrow money Probably. I hear that about you Brits. <laughs> You're just the dirty, filthy people. Yeah. I'll That's why out. you lost the big war. You know, the revolutionary one. We never lost a war. No? What happened? We used what a bit of reverse psychology. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> reverse so, psychology. I, d- g- give me this. Give me this. Because I am a product of the public education system of the United States. So it's... I can't... I, can't, I gotta wear flip-flops because I don't... I never learned how to tie shoes. <laughs> <clears throat> the... The public education system in the U.S. 
is uh, while very good and gives us all great opportunities and 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 gives us the basics. Obviously, and you know this, you've traveled the world much more than most of us have. Uh, obviously, more than I have, but. There are other countries, there are other cultures, other societies that put a much greater emphasis on education than we do here in the United States, and way more than we do here in Arizona. We're not, I think we're in the lower third or so, as far as money spent and emphasis put on. There are other cultures, other countries, that put a greater emphasis on education, like some of the Asian countries and the, and the Eastern and European so my version of U.S. history, of world history, is skewed to what comes out in the books that we are still using that have been used for decades and decades. You, the Brit comedy doc, Dan Nightingale, give me your version of what we call the American Revolution. Reverse psychology. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Two words. Reverse psychology. See, we... Wanted to hand over this country to you. You wanted to hand yeah. it over we to didn't, us? We didn't want it anymore. It was costing, <laughs> costing too much money. You didn't want to pay your taxes. <laughs> Nothing's changed there. So Benedict Arnold, is he considered a British saint? What, so we what gave it to you. We decided, let's do a bit of reverse psychology. Let's <laughs> just stand in there. Let's wear our red coat so that you've got an easier target. Is that why... Wait, here, i got to check. Okay. Is that why you often go on stage with multicolored, brightly colored that, hair? That's exactly why I usually so wear red, white, and you a bigger target. Blue. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so now it's kind of... We're coming back gradually. <laughs> My Aunt Liz... One doctor's office at a time? <laughs> yeah. My Aunt Liz, otherwise known as Queen Elizabeth, is sending us back gradually to marry your women to buy your land. Ride our horses. Ride your horses. Take Buy your, our guns, get, evidently. Take your jobs. <laughs> take, trust me, you're not taking my job. <laughs> buy your guns. Show you how to shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all reverse psychology, so we're coming back. Now, so I... That, you know? Just before we turn these mics on, we were talking a little bit about some local news, or not even local news, but some... Some top stories in the news, primarily some political stuff. Now, I, anybody who's listened to this show knows I am not a political mind. I, I don't like discussing politics. I don't like really even knowing what's going on. It just frustrates me. So we stay clear of politics for the most part on this show. But we're going to break that rule right now because I want to hear what an outsider's – a, a uh, an outsider's view on our current political climate is. Give me your, give me your <laughs> thoughts on that. Well, again, I mean, what can I say? Blue, that question blew the sunglasses right off your wife's head. Absolutely. That's because we've got Theresa May ruining, I mean, running our country. Who? What? Exactly. <laughs> I would, give, give me, your, give me your, your snapshot take on, on American politics as they stand on this, what are we, September 3rd, 2018. Give me your thoughts. I think there's an administration that takes absolutely no notice of law and legislation. They appear to be to do whatever they like, whatever they choose. There's just do whatever they want. And it doesn't seem to work very well. 
Or why watching a selfie in action? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it okay. doesn't seem to work very well because you have that. And um, what, one of the things that I follow quite closely because I've been through the process is the immigration process because gotcha. I've been through it. Now, when did you? So you're, you're you, what do you hold? Like dual citizenship, or no, what's, what's the I'm, official declaration? I am there? currently a permanent resident of the U.S. I haven't done my citizenship okay. exam yet. So I am you going are, to do it. You are a citizen of the U.K. I remain citizen of the U.K. and a permanent resident here, allowing you to to uh, work and mingle around and live amongst us normal people. That's right. Is that what it? <laughs> I can do absolutely everything except vote. <laughs> the one thing I can't do is vote. Um, <laughs> now, what was that? When did you start that immigration process? It would be six years ago. What was it like to you? What, what were some of the steps you had to do? Because again, not you know, I'm a knucklehead. I'm, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, periodically, they'll run a thing in the newspaper or online or something. It's like these are the questions that you have to answer to pass your citizenship test for for new immigrants. And most of us, and when I say us, I'm talking about the people born and raised in this country, probably couldn't answer most of those questions. Uh, But what were some of the steps that you had to go through to uh, get your current status legally? Okay, the first thing was to appoint an immigration attorney because the government tell you, do this, do this, do this. But what they're telling you to do is wrong, they're telling you to do something that isn't correct. Like what? If, is so there any it's example like, you okay, can... so you cannot... Okay, so um, Kathleen, who is now my wife, was then my girlfriend. You have to... If you want to come and live in the US, you have to get a fiancé visa. So you have to gotcha. stay in your own country. It takes 18 months to get this fiancé visa. Well, that's just to make sure that she doesn't really get to know <laughs> you and call the whole thing off. Exactly, yeah. And... Um, and so when you speak to an immigration attorney, they say, no, that is not correct. That is not how you do it. That's not the correct procedure. So the first thing is to appoint a, an immigration attorney. Gotcha. It's very costly. It costs us quite a, a lot of money to go through that immigration process. Gotcha. But we went through it properly, legally, and you have to go through a number of things, which includes they send you to this, like it's like a holding pen, <laughs> In Phoenix, and you you have to go into this big room where there's lots and lots of people waiting to be fingerprinted. So you started this process in Arizona. That's right. Okay, that's correct. Six so, years ago, six ish. Yeah, okay. six ish years ago. So they send you in there, and you can't take anything with you. You can't take a book to read. You can't really? take water. You can't take your phone. You you can't take anything in with you whatsoever. And there's a very lengthy process of waiting until it's your standard turn. government building. <laughs> yes, yeah, kind of like kind of like, like walking into the, the world's yeah. worst DMV. That's right, exactly. Okay. But yeah. no phone, no water, no book, nothing. What did they explain why? I mean, why can't you take a book? Why couldn't you just sit there and pass the time by I, reading? I have no clue. You couldn't take anything. It's just that's the rule. That's what you get. That's the rules. You know, that's the regulation. So, um, so you wait. What, what was the mix of people when you were there? What was it? Was it? I'm, I'm, ge- I'm yeah. guessing it being in Arizona, there probably weren't a lot of Brits. No, there weren't a lot of Brits. I was okay. the only Brit, <laughs> as far okay. as I'm aware. I'm, a- I'm guessing probably a lot of, of Hispanic uh, folks from uh, s- South and Central America, probably, knowing some of the neighborhoods in the Phoenix area and in Tucson and that, there was 
probably a good chunk from maybe Western Africa even in there. I know there's a there's a fairly large African uh, population in in Phoenix. Uh, maybe some Middle East and stuff, but not a lot of Brits, huh? There were no more Brits that I was aware of. Yeah. And it was a, there was a lot of people in the room. All the people around me were, were Hispanic. All the gotcha. ones that I spoke to and interacted with. Um, some couldn't speak English, so I didn't have... We couldn't communicate. Yeah. But anyway, so, so you go through that process, and it's, you're in there for maybe two to three hours. She wasn't allowed to come in with me. You have to go in on your own. So you were solo in there. Yeah, yeah. Two to three hours waiting time um, and then you are called back to do a fingerprint yeah to do um, your biometric testing two minutes and then you're gone <laughs> <laughs> so this is primarily a holding pen to get, your, get you printed absolutely that's exactly what it is yeah so, uh, so that's that so you do that and that starts your process once your process is started you cannot leave the country you have to stay in the United States until your immigration process is complete. This can take up to 12 months yeah. or whatever. You know. So, um, so I, was never le- I was never allowed to go back to the UK or anywhere else for that uh, matter. To your knowledge, are there any provisions for, like, say, the death in the family or any kind of a family emergency things where you can bypass that or Can't no? Go. You're Can't just out of luck, huh? Yeah, because I had a couple of uh, clinical contracts in the UK. Gotcha. And I wasn't allowed to go and fulfill them. Which means I lost them. So yeah. all my work over there. Well, that sounds like bad planning away. on your part. It was bad planning <laughs> on my part. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so that happened, and then so they start the process, um, and then Kathleen and I got married. We bought a house in, as you know, we bought a ranch in Chino Valley, and uh, so the next process you go through is an, an interview with the immigration team. Um, and they ask you a whole series of questions about why you're here, what, yeah. how did you get here, blah, 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 blah. And then a final immigration interview before you get your residency was we had to be interviewed together but separately. Yeah. She couldn't answer questions. Make sure the stories jive, That's how right, you exactly. met. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, and there's movies and sitcoms and stuff about, well, let's just get married so you can get in the country <laughs> right. and blah, blah. So they want to make sure Absolutely. this is a legit yeah. relationship. Yeah. Make it, sure you haven't drugged Kathleen because there's right. obviously some yeah. sort of outside influence as to why she agreed to marry That's you. That's right. And it has nothing to do with being a clinical <laughs> hypnotherapist because she is also a clinical hypnotherapist. So it was like, you know. Watch my wife. <laughs> Keep your eyes on my watch. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, um, so we Can went. Can you make her cluck like a chicken? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it depends what I'm doing. <laughs> hey, come on! This is a family show. But yeah, so we went through that process where they asked filthy, yeah. filthy immigrants. That's what they are. Hey, can I get one of those oatmeal stouts, please? Thanks. Give him nothing. <laughs> give it. Give him water. You'll have, a, you'll have a glass of steam and like it. <laughs> Um, so that final interview was, um, you have to show financially that you're sound. Yeah. You have to show um, you've got a mortgage or you own a property. So you have something tying you to the community. Absolutely. So, um, so that's how that, that went. And it was quite a lengthy process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was expensive. There was a lot of hoops that we jumped through. And, um, but I'll tell you, it was worth it. It was worth we don't have a problem with the fact that we went through that process. In fact, we're very 
supportive of that process. Gotcha. Because out in New York, there was somebody who was a Brit, and he'd been here for 12, 12 15 years or something. And um, he hadn't gone through that legal process. He'd got married. Kind of, felt, said, kind of snuck through the cracks kind of thing. I know? said caught up with What's him. What's his name and address? Let's oh, <laughs> I don't know. Can you? They've already got him, yeah. They got him. That's what the whole kerfuffle was. They were all complaining. Gotcha. That, you know, he's been here for 12 years. Why should he be sent back? And, now, to know. your knowledge, in, in the past six years, has that process remained the same? Has it changed? Okay. So I've just appointed the attorney that did my immigration process because I want my son to come and live That's here. That's right. You had mentioned yeah. that the other day. And she has explained how it's changed in that this administration is completely ignoring the legislation and they are deporting people, refusing people entry without even giving a reason. There's no justification. And they're doing that. And they're, they're going... People who are actually going through the immigration process, they're... Um, if they've filled something wrong in, incorrectly in a form, mm-hmm. then they're being arrested and put in their gotcha. immigration holding pen kind of thing. So she's, she is under a lot of pressure, and as an immigration attorney, she's a lot more stressed than she was gotcha. when I came here. So it has changed a lot. So I, I would like to touch back with you at some point in the future to see the process that's going on with your son, just to see how, how it's changed, because it's... Uh, you know, and that's one of the, and again, trying to stay out of politics, so to speak mm. here, but just in the reality and, and the, um, the logistics of how people go about this, one of the arguments for, or excuse me, against Ill- illegal immigration, which we see a lot, is specifically in Arizona, but throughout the southern states, you know, Texas, uh-huh. New Mexico, California, uh, Arizona, is that when people are, are so riled up about the immigration process, they say, well, do it legally like I did, or do it legally like my ancestors did, or do it legally like my neighbor did. But what it sounds like you're saying is, even when you go about it, the legal aspect, there are now so many different loopholes, so many different barriers that it, uh, it can be made extremely difficult, even when you're doing the legal and correct way. Yeah, that's, like. how, that's how I'm understanding it now okay. from, my, from my attorney. Yeah, Interesting. Um, but there's also the other end of that spectrum, isn't there, where, you know, I come from, from the UK. We're not a third world country. Well, you know, yeah. We're not being killed and we're not at risk of our families being, you know, slaughtered and not anymore anyway, <laughs> not since the IRA was disbanded. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think we, there's a different, it's a different issue when people are seeking asylum for those reasons. Yeah. For reasons from of Syria, areas like that. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that has to be viewed in a different way to what <coughs> me coming through here from a you know. And, and for the the flip side of that, yeah, there are people who need that protection. Uh-huh. They need that asylum from various areas from for various reasons, seeking asylum to various countries, not yeah. just the U.S. Uh-huh. But the flip side of that, and something to be considered and something to keep in mind is. Uh, Oh, what was it? Uh, 60s and early 70s, I believe, when that mass exodus exodus was coming out of Cuba. Uh, The government at that time in Cuba was kind of using it as a way to get rid of their undesirables in a lot of aspects. There were many, many examples of 
of fine, upstanding people looking for that asylum, but there were also those uh, those examples of people being kind of sent away. Okay, now this is our chance to get rid of them from our country. So they were emptying out their prisons in a lot of senses. In wow. Cuba, that happened. So, okay. you know, there's a it's it's a mess either way. Absolutely. It's a mess either way. Uh-huh. So you've been here for six-ish years or so. We met, I think, I want to say it was probably about three and a half, four years ago, close to anyway, about yeah. three and a half, four years. So you were uh, he had been here a couple of years living in Chino. And uh, let people know where they, can, where they can find out about you and what you do and give a little explanation of what that is. Because if you go back on milehighshow.com and look at the archives... Uh, you can hear a couple of interviews. You've been on, what, two or three times over the past few years. But give them a little recap of what it is you do both professionally as well as your extracurricular activities that we're going to get into a little bit. Okay, well, what do I do? I do a lot. (laughs) uh, Stick to the legal aspects of what you do. A stand-up comedian is uh, the, one of the things that I do as an c- extracurricular activity. And where can they find out information? Give us your website, Facebook, Brit, all that good stuff. The BritComedyDoc.com is the uh, website. Facebook page, The Brit Comedy Doc. So you'll find me on those two main, main yeah. platforms. You'll find me on LinkedIn as well, Brit Comedy Doc on LinkedIn. Um, I'm usually a keep up to date with the Facebook page is the best place to go yeah. to see where I'm most performing. active. Yeah. That's the most active every day. There's something posted on there. Um, so I do that and I've just recently returned from New York. So I've just started to perform back here. Did your buddy getting arrested play a part in you leaving New York? Absolutely. The, yeah. <laughs> the illegal Brit. The illegal Brit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought. And he's available at, at illegalbrit.org <laughs> if you'd like to contribute to his legal defense. No, I'm just. I thought I better get my com- <laughs> my comedy lord out of there fast. <laughs> but okay, so so Brit Comedy Doc is is some of what you do, uh, but the 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 main thrust of how you pay your bills, how you guys survive, is associated with what? Talk a little bit about your medical background. Okay, so I'm a clinical dementia specialist, and that's my main function in life uh, as a clinical dementia specialist my office is in Tempe <coughs> Arizona there are three days a week and two days a week I hang out in Chino Valley so now, that now do a, you have a storefront in Chino are you working on getting that set up are you still using that my place or no because you were using no, that for a little yeah, bit yeah I've used it every now and then when I've needed to see patients down in uh, in Prescott but uh, and Chino but I'm trying to keep my clinical work in Phoenix and Scottsdale gotcha, okay. and that, rather than, than down here. And then your administrative stuff up here. And, and uh, part of that, uh, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but something we can look forward to in about a year is the release of a, a, of a new published work for you. So a lot of that stuff is done in, in your home office and things. Is there anything you can give us, maybe a teaser for what, uh, what's on the horizon for your medical practice? Yeah, that's, um, that book is a clinical, so it's a, a clinician's guide to non-pharmacological dementia therapies, and it touches a lot on models of therapy and treatment for dementia, because at this moment in time, for primary dementias, Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, Lewy body <coughs> dementia, the main dementias, we have no cure. There is no yeah. cure, and there is no medication that can, you know, cure it, treat it. So we're we're always looking at. S- 
different approaches and different techniques and, and stuff like that. And from what I understand in, in our previous conversations, this, this published work that's, that's coming out in about a year, uh, a lot of vetting process and things to make sure liability-wise and to test out theories and stuff. This is a lot of your theories, your practices that you've developed. Give us a quick snapshot and I know, I know this is hard to do when you're dealing with something as complex uh-huh. and diverse as the human mind and the, and the uh, trials and, and, and issues with that, especially as we all advance in age and, and deal with various things like dementia, like, like uh, uh, Alzheimer's and things. But if you could, very bullet point-ish kind of, how would you capsulize your theory, your ideas of treatment and, and dealing with that. Okay, well, there's a, num- a number of them, but um, let me focus on something called the CAR approach, which I developed, which stands for Communication, Attitudes and Response. When you're working with people who have Alzheimer's disease or other forms of yeah. uh, neurocognitive disorder, those three things are key. So tell me again. So communication, communication. attitude, response, car, car. C-A-R, okay. car. Um, absolutely crucial because communicating with people with certain types of dementia as the disease progresses changes. And a lot of people put great emphasis on communicating with people verbally. Uh-huh. However, only around about 27% of all our communication throughout our life is verbal. We rely so much at an unconscious level on body language. So right here, right now, we subconsciously are reading each other's body language. My wife who's sitting next to me, she's reading my body language. And we're we're all, all, everybody in this room. So the visual, the physical aspects of how we relate to each other without the verbal aspect. Exactly. And so communication is is key. So So when I do this, what does that tell you? That means... (laughs) Later, Matt, let's, later. Let's thank <laughs> no. everyone that this is not a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so being able to tap into your ability to read body language yeah. at a conscious level is really, really important. So we, we all need to be able to do that better. And uh, a great way of being able to demonstrate that is through communications with horses, no verbal communication with a horse. It is all about intuition. And it's all about a horse reading your And this would thoughts. fall into like an equine therapy Absolutely. kind of a aspect. Yeah, exactly. You um, used, at least locally in my conversations with people, for like what you're saying, neuro, neuro, and I'm going to put neurological, is that even close? Okay. Issues as well as things like PTSD, autistic children and, and adults, and a, a, a multitude of different... Uh, issues that can be assisted and helped and treated with these big, huge, glorious animals that are so popular in this area. Absolutely. And if um, if I can bring Kathleen in, yeah, of course. she can tell you so much more about the equine therapy and how it affects people. Kathleen, do you want to chip in on the, equi- uh, the benefits of equine? <laughs> well, there's a number of benefits depending on who you are and what you may be struggling with. Um, well, and I know for like... I'm sorry to interrupt, but why, why are horses so utilized in this? I know there's, there's support animals. People uh, support dogs and, and things have been used 
in recent years more than we've seen. But I don't know if it's because of the area we live in that it seems like equine therapy is so special, or is it something about horses in general that is really special, something unique about horses specifically? Does that play a part in it? Yeah, I mean, I like horses because, of course, we can stand eye to eye with them, unlike a dog. But, and there's very much a communication that's, you know, nonverbal, the body language, and not only that, but our emotions. I mean, they pick up on our emotions. So if somebody, Horses do that more so than other, other breeds, other, other species? I, I would say so. And, really? You know, and somebody, let's say if uh, a war veteran with PTSD, you know, ha- has to learn to be calm, you know, calm their own nerves or their uh-huh. stress or whatever, especially if they're working with an untamed Mustang or something who's really sensitive to picking up on um, on the emotions. And I think there's also probably, of course, we work with the subconscious mind being hypnotherapists, yeah. and that's where our emotions are. And, and actually, it's like 87% of our minds. So that's our powerhouse, and I call it our horsepower. So I've got this whole... <laughs> I call it the Mustang mindset. So it's our whole, it's this whole metaphor with horses. But then we have to be careful about how we feel. And but not only that, we, I think they can help to calm us. Uh, he, horse and human heart have a tendency to synchronize. The, really, the See, heartbeat. I, honestly, and I'm not trying to be glib. Everything I know about horses is from TV and movies. I, yeah. Even though I live in this area, I'm not from here, and I'm, I'm a city boy at heart. You know that's my background so i am horses are a foreign animal to me interesting though they used to be yeah it used to be for me but it's become interesting learning about them and i've recently started working with a horse trainer who's so interesting to watch it's the kind of horse whisperer thing where he's oh nice very you know it's body language yeah. and and everything. the power of that animal that just the sheer size and girth and and strength of an of a of a horse, mm-hmm. and how when I've seen because I've covered through my photo business some different like a horse whisper type, you know uh, natural horsemanship type of seminars that I've photographed and things, and I'm amazed that just at a quick glance, uh, a very very uh, subtle interaction with a horse, and they can guide be guided to do so much when you know and and the 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 thoughts behind that have changed so much over the years. I mean, it used to be kind of like a let's beat them into moving, and yeah. that's, that's gone by wayside, hopefully, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's more, I'd like to think anyway, more respect, you know, mutual respect yeah. and getting better results that way. And you don't want them to be afraid, especially if you're going to ride them. And, and they pick up on your fear and your really? emotions. Now, they, um, most of us know that with dogs. People always say, well, dogs can tell if you're afraid. Uh, by your attitude, by your physical, your body language and things. Uh, so even more so with horses and even more so escalated just because of their sheer size. Yeah, like a thousand pounds or something. Wow. But I... Now, yeah, Dan, just, just t- let me give oh, you something ahead. that happened yesterday with one of our horses who's a 1,200-pound thoroughbred. She got something wrapped around her leg and she panicked and she spooked and she rolled over and she got trapped in some fencing. Had we panicked, yeah, she would not be here today. Gotcha. She would have panicked. She would have, have hyperventilated. She would have got so frightened, so scared. She would have probably had a, a myocardial infarct. She would have had a heart attack. She would have 
cardiac arrest and, and wow but, but because everybody remained calm and nobody panicked and we managed to get her out of that fencing and roll her, roll her over so that she could get up everything turned out okay so it is all about that level of, of emotion yeah because they read it so well interesting and, and, and when it comes to working with people who have a neurocognitive disorder or a neurological disorder or PTSD then th- that is where the benefits are for that person because if as, a do- as your doctor, I would be putting you under some pressure. I would be expecting some results. I yeah. would be expecting you to do certain things. With a horse, there is unconditional regard. There is no expectations. I'm not putting you under any pressure. You have no goals to achieve. Interesting. You are just communicating and You're connecting. just there. Yeah. Interesting. So Here, go ahead. Get on there. Yeah. I was going to say, you have to be mindful of your own <laughs> stress level and your own emotions. And it forces you to be calm in a situation like we had yesterday. Reason number 75, while I can never be a doctor. <laughs> Control of my emotions, that and the whole education and money and, and brains and uh, intellect. Those, you know, those things are all in there too, but I'll, I'll, I'd like to rely more on this one than anything else. I can't be a doctor, I'm too passionate. How's that? Is that <laughs> Dan, let me ask you. Now, with the car therapy, communication, attitude, and response... Communication, Correct. attitude, and response Correct, yeah. is something you developed. Did uh-huh. you find, okay, so this is something that you came about with. Mm-hmm. How long have you been dealing with the car method? Is that what, what's the pr- proper terminology? Yeah, car the method, car, the car approach. Car approach. Yeah. How long have you been dealing I with that? Probably developed the car approach about ten years ago. Ten years. What was the? What was the? How has? How has treatment changed over? the decades, the generations dealing with these type of issues like dementia and, and uh, Alzheimer's and things like that. What were some of the now considered outdated measures? You know, like with, yeah. with physical things, it's, you know, you, you know, leeches were at one time, you know, you know, we blood still use them. Well, <laughs> but there, there are certain treatments for various conditions, various injuries, various illnesses that now people look at and go, oh, I can't believe we used to do that. What are some of those with dealing with the, the human mind? Restraint is a big one. Chemical Explain. restraint and physical restraint. Just the, the numbing of the system. So when people get agitated, frustrated, angry, upset, give them a drug. Gotcha. Put them in some what, restraints. What's the old movie? Put them in a padded cell. What was the old movie the, about the house? Jack Nicholson. What was... Yeah, yeah. One through over the cuckoo's nest. Cuckoo's nest. Yeah, there There's, you go. Yeah. You'd see them all line up, wouldn't you? They were all lined up to get their, yeah. their pill. The old institutionalized... Yeah, the old institutionalized. Uh, yeah, exactly. What were some of the physical things they would do? Restraints. They would... No, I mean, were they like lobotomies oh, right, and things okay. of that so, nature? Yeah, not, Drilling holes to relieve pressure, yeah. things like not, that? Not so much for dementia, but yeah, um, for mental illness in yeah. general, you would have lobotomies, frontal, frontal lobotomy, temporal lobotomy... Um, they were the main thing that that they would do. Yeah. Because some guy, some French doctor, <laughs> discovered that if you get an eye, a medical ice pick and put it through the ice, top of the eye and into the brain and wiggle it around a bit, <laughs> you cure people from their <laughs> mental illness. Yes. Because what you've done is severed the entire system, uh, cerebral did, cortex. Was, did he go to the University of Dachau or what? What was <laughs> my goodness? Well, he was French, you know, come oh. on. <laughs> now, what? 
it's it's I don't know, just some of the things that were ice accepted. bath, you know, yeah. cold bath. They would put people in a freezing cold bathtub for an hour. Yeah. Um, ice treatment. What's your thoughts on psychotropics to treat things like this? Because that is getting. I, I don't know. I, I hear more and more about it. Microdosing of things like, uh, you know, what are they? Psychosyllabus, you know, the mushrooms, basically. Yeah. Microdosing with that, or medical marijuana usage, or even uh, LSD treatments for in microdosing of certain things of of like uh, ongoing uh, usage of those. What's your take on that? Aspect. Yeah, well, I'm a Brit and I was trained, all my training is from the UK. We, well, I particularly, I personally worked with the government, with Westminster, on a, a document called Always a Last Resort. Yeah. So, antipsychotic neurotropic drugs, antipsychotic drugs do not have a place only as a very last resort when you're working really? with people with dementia. Only as a last resort. They're not licensed to treat the behavioural and psychological symptoms of dementia. So what used to happen was they were given out like sweeties. Yeah. If Matt had an aggressive outburst in the nursing home, they would call the doctor and say, can I have some medication because Matt's a bit aggressive. Yeah, Yeah, of course you can. I'll prescribe. Well, years ago, I used to use unlicensed pharmacists. Right. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. operated out of a van behind That's the 7-Eleven. Right. Yeah, and now every day you're <laughs> sending me messages asking me for drugs. <laughs> and right. ladies and gentle peeps, Hypoth- I tell him no. Hypothetically, hypothetically, has anybody that is a, is a, uh, a, a doctor uh, from Great Britain who also does stand-up ever, ever uh, <laughs> dabbled in the... Uh, <laughs> In the recreational usage of, of narcotics? No. <laughs> Never. Not curious. that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I remember. I don't know. <laughs> I, did wake up one, I did wake up one morning to, uh, to, an, to an empty plate of mushrooms, but I don't know. I think that was a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the normal. Hey, no whispering. <laughs> No, it's no whispering. I don't, was she, she telling said, you to forget about June of 87? I think so, don't yeah. Rem- yeah. It's she, she went. She was saying, thank you, Emmy. <laughs> she doesn't know that. All right. So <laughs> how can folks find out about your medical practice? Where can they read about what you are uh practicing and find out a little bit more about what's going on on the the nine to five more serious aspect of Dan Nightingale. DementiaTherapySpecialists.com is the website. My office is in uh, Tempe, Wells Fargo Plaza, which is on East Broadway Road okay. in Tempe. That's where I hang out. Um, you can find out a lot of information about dementia on that website, okay. dementia therapy yeah. specialist so website. Folks can work, absolutely, the, and yeah. we've talked about and this the Facebook people. page as well, yeah. dementia and therapy specialist Facebook. Okay, dementia specialist, dementia therapy specialists on Facebook dot com. Okay, yes. uh, and we've talked about this in the past. My my mother lives locally here, 
suffers from dementia. She's had. She has never issues. admitted to being your mother. <laughs> so where you get that from, Matt? I don't know. Trust, trust me. We were, we are so much alike. <laughs> There's no denying that I am the uh, the fruit of her loins. Uh, but this area, uh, the the state of Arizona in general, but this area and especially down uh, in the valley as well. Uh, has a higher population of, uh, of I like to say now, I used to call them old people, but now that I'm in that class, I like to call us seasoned humans. We, uh, but but it, it's, a, it's an area known for people to come in their, in their uh, later years of life. Uh, it's a different atmosphere than, say, San Francisco Bay Area, New York, Chicago, not just weather-wise, but just in the pace of life and things. So there are more and more uh, older folk living around here. So there are a lot of people that will be listening to this that may either be struggling with this themselves or possibly family members, uh, spouses, wives, uh, you know, fathers and mothers and grandparents and things who are going through or entering into the stage of their life. So they can get, go onto your website and get a little information, maybe get, get some areas where they can explore and and learn more. Again, give us your website one more time. DementiaTherapySpecialists.com Now, we have talked about this before. I'd like you to touch on it a little bit. In the aspect of... What's that? Okay. <laughs> I'm getting prodded in the back. She said, see how you like it. <laughs> she said... <laughs> <laughs> Dan is at a loss for words. I never thought I'd see this guy not being able to speak. Go ahead. Oh, dear. Um, part of dementia therapy specialists, we have something called sequelae.com. Oh, yes. So, um, Kathleen would just want to org. talk a little bit org. about sequelae.org. There you go. Well, speaking of horses and horse therapy, so we're working on creating. Are you a calling them a horse's what? Yeah. <laughs> A nonprofit called Soquili Sanctuary. Spell that, please, if you could. S O Q U I L I, which is actually Cherokee for horse. Okay. I just happen to like the word. But Soquili Sanctuary, where we have the horses and um, creating a nonprofit so that we can help people who don't have the funds to have therapy and incorporating the horse, horse therapy, hypnotherapy, yeah. life coaching. Um, I generally work more with women who are. Uh, you know, maybe they've had abuse or, you know, need some emotional healing yeah. type of thing. And then Daniel with the dementia and, of course, people with caregiver stress. So that's what we're working on gotcha. here in Chino Valley. Let's talk a little bit. Do you mind? I should. This is, oh, okay. Let's not violate any patient, doctor-patient confidentiality, but let me give you that person's <laughs> name and phone. No, no. Of course, um, I want to talk. We've one talked of, about one of the, oh, one, of the one of the things that kind of there's a few things that makes me different. Yeah, <laughs> just a few. <laughs> we one, try and limit this podcast to an hour, so we better not even scratch this surface <laughs> of the things that make you different. But one of the things that clinically that makes me different is that every day I keep in touch with all my patients via text message. Gotcha. Every day I send them a text. 
a text message to see if they're okay, how they're doing, how they're functioning, because I've got people that who really are, you know, sets you apart from most people in the medical field. Absolutely, especially uh-huh. in an area where, or you know, in a time when healthcare and things are so on the top of the news, because everybody's so overwhelmed on the customer side, on the patient side, overwhelmed with what options there are, how to pay for it, how to do it, and on the provider side, being overwhelmed with the mass of 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 people relying on them they don't have time for that uh-huh. so yeah. another great thing about going to an independent Absolutely. doctor is yourself yeah and i always make time for that always do that so you were saying Matt, before i saw rudely no, no, interrupted you because we've <laughs> talked about this in the past again milehighshow.com you can pull up dan nightingale brit comedy doc in the search thing it'll pull up whenever you've been discussed or a guest on and we've talked about this a little bit but let's touch on it again in the aspects of how the marriage of both of your passions, that of your, your medical background and your patients, your, medical, your patient care, and the comedy that you love so much, the marriage of those, how do they help each other? How do they, how do they blend? Okay, so we, talk, we touched a little bit on the book that's coming out next year, and one of the chapters is all about how we how doctors can work better with patients and one of the things that I do before I do anything else is a patient comes into my office or I go to do a house I do a lot of house calls I go and visit them the first thing I'll start off with is so what's the funniest thing that's happened this week (laughs) what's the funniest thing you've seen on TV or the funniest story you've heard or whatever and that's how I break the ice and that's how I (coughs) break, break away the barriers and the you know the boundaries and the barriers, sorry, and um, and so it gets them into a more relaxed state, and their anxiety levels are yeah. starting to come down already. So the fact that they have to deal with a doctor, it's like you know firemen and police. Usually, when you see these type of professionals, it's not on your best day. It's when something Absolutely. is going on. So it breaks the ice that way. It relaxes them. Plus, it's part of that car method, that car treatment, the communication. Mm -hmm. Because now you could just as easily give them all their information in a written form, let them read it, and and it's there. But this ongoing dialogue, Uh this this communication, and bringing a little humor into it taps different aspects of their brain, and now they can multitask in their communication with you a little bit. That's right. And that very second you do that, it's about them. Yeah. That's about them now. It's not about me. It's not about... (coughs) What I'm going to tell you, it's not about the treatment or the therapy that we're going to do. It's about you. Gotcha. You're in control now. So your emotions are, are better. You've released some, some happy chemicals. You've yeah. released some endorphins. So you're more relaxed. You're in a happier place. And now we can get into the... I imagine they'd the be more than, than more... I'll, I'll put myself in this. I am one of those people, probably the majority of people out there, that really dislike doctors, dislike going to doctors offices hospitals i get a huge anxiety even if i'm visiting somebody in a hospital for various reasons not to get into now but i I get my blood pressure rises my heart rate increases i don't i don't deal well with it so when i go to a doctor's office which i had to do last week for just some bronchial things like we're all going through in this area now this time of year my main goal was to Doc, this is what's going on. Boom, 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 boom. Give me my prescription. Give me my antibiotic. Give me whatever. And I want to be out of here as soon as possible. I'm not very 
forthcoming with when they started asking, well, how long has it been going on? What's it feel like at night? How's your breathing? No, no, I just told you I'm not breathing well. Give me something to fix it. So my wife, whenever I have to go to the doctor, she will go with me. She makes me take her because she tells me, okay, be quiet, doc. This is what happened last night. This is how he's breathing. This is how he's sleeping or not sleeping. This is how it's affecting his attitude. Because I can't do that. I just, my brain won't allow to do it. So when you go and meet with a patient and you break that ice, I imagine it would now open up the communication and now they're more apt to really open up to you and tell you exactly what's going on to the best of their ability. Yeah, absolutely. What you've just described there is white coat syndrome. That's is what? The, we call it white coat oh. syndrome. Because, you know, people's blood pressure and anxiety levels do shoot up yeah. as soon as they see that white coat. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's absolutely crucial that we can break that barrier. Now, you've you used your, your humor... In, in other ways, I don't know if you're still doing this. The last time we had talked before your, your exodus back east, uh, you had been doing some shows at some retirement homes and things down in the valley. Are you still doing things like that? Yeah, um, I, will be do- I will be offering that once I'm Get back, more, in, yeah. back in the swing of things. Once you yes. work on some new material, maybe? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I don't want to go back and do the old material, do I? <laughs> Why not? They probably forgot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But how, so, how do you? How does that help? How, do, how well, does getting getting somebody to get a good belly laugh and 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 get some smiles on their face? What does that do to them physically? Oh, as I said, happy chemicals, endorphins, yeah. releases them. Uh, good belly laugh physically and physiologically makes a difference. Makes you healthier. Makes you fitter. Makes you puts you in a happier place. Um, when I first started doing that, I took my, my stand-up comedy and took it into memory care communities. And it fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> fell flat. Anyway, I went on a, a training course with Dr. Patch Adams. He, yeah. taught, he taught 60 doctors how to use comedy and, and clowning in medicine and healing. Yeah, the movie based on his life, Patch Adams with Robin Williams, right? Absolutely, yeah. exactly, yeah. So after that, after that uh, training, I completely changed things around, created some characters, got some, uh, some gear on, went into character, and it makes a massive, massive difference. Right. They get it. They can connect with yeah. foggy crack, See, the working-class meteorologists. Now they've yeah. got the visual to go along. Again, absolutely. the mm-hmm. car, communication, absolutely. attitude, yep. response. You're That's doing right. that also in your, not just in your treatment, but in engaging with an audience. Absolutely. And now you've got different yep. senses grabbing onto. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. And it makes a big difference because they do get it. They, nice. they get that. So what so. do you got, uh, as we're wrapping up here, I know, sorry, yeah, we're, oh, we've been going a while here already. Uh, Did you hear that? My wife's never said that. <laughs> <laughs> More jokes like these. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to get people to go to your shows, not stay home. Um, what do you got coming up? You got anything coming up stage-wise? We know they can go to your website, which is? Um, Brit, the Brit Comedy. No, no, the dog. other one. Oh, the good. other one. Dementia, yeah. Dementia therapy specialists.com. They can go there to find out more information on your medical side. They can go to BritComedyDoc.com to find out about your comedy side. You got any shows coming up on there? Yeah, there's October the 12th at Dusty's Hooker Lounge. 
Prescott Valley, right I off the highway. I can't pronounce the word hooker, but, you know, <laughs> it is hooker. Hooker, as in smoking. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, hey, whole, new, whole new zoning and planning there in Prescott <laughs> Valley. No, so they've got Dusty's in Prescott Valley. I'll put a link to that October 12th. Yeah. Uh, you were recently down at the Improv in uh, I was in at Tempe. the Improv last week. And the week before that, I was at Prescott Valley's 40th anniversary. At, yeah, on that Saturday, on the, that 25th, Saturday the 25th, I believe. 25th. But, so they can get on your website there, or better yet, probably follow your Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, follow the Facebook. To yeah. find out mm-hmm. upcoming shows. Because I know the the... Different shows that you're on down in the valley, they they kind of ebb and yeah, flow yeah. as far as availability and stuff. But October 12th, and you're you're the the goal is to make that an ongoing show. That's going to be a, a once a month on a okay. Friday night, the second Friday of every month. Nice. 8 p.m. Tickets five dollars. Res- reserve tickets for five dollars, seven dollars at the door. At the door. And um, yeah. They can also go to gigsalad.com Gig and salad. find me. If they want to book me for a show, they can go gigsalad.com. Gotcha. And, book and then, me for Kathleen, a show. your website again, the, the dot .org? Oh, soquili.org. And spell that, please. S-O-Q-U-I-L-I.org. And you'll also find it on Facebook. There's a Facebook page. Very nice, and we want to thank the good folks at Mark's Beer Garden for letting us take up space today. Don't forget, Mark's Beer Garden on Facebook is where you can find out information about the place here. Hey, Mark, every two weeks with uh, the Vince Dalkey Show, right? Yes. Yeah. So every other Friday, which will be when this probably, yeah, this goes up. I'm probably going to put this up. What's today? Monday? Today is Monday. It'll go up either tomorrow or Wednesday. So in a couple of days, there'll be a link right there for Mark's Beer Garden, an open mic and book comedy show. The open mic is a good mix of some, uh, some local comics telling some stories, telling some jokes, some musicians coming up, playing a song or two from about 6 p.m. till around 7, 7.30. And then the booked comedy show begins at 7.30, hosted by Vince Dalkey, a uh, newer Prescott resident, but uh, was doing comedy in the Valley for quite some time. Uh, nephew of the great Becky Dalkey, uh, who has been on this show as well over the past few years, a few times. Great musician. I want to get her back on pretty soon because she's got a new release coming out. Becky Dalkey does. Um, she's the founder of Becky Fest, the music festival that takes place up here in Yavapai County. So let's uh, wrap it again. We got Mark's Beer Garden. Oh, uh, September 19th through 22nd, this very podcast and yours truly will be a featured podcast at the Big Pine Comedy Festival in Flagstaff. BigPineComedyFestival.com is where you can find out information about that. We will be featured on the main stage at Southside Tavern September 19th at 5 p.m. Just got word. uh, Day Adam Peace will be a co-host on the show that day. And we will be sitting down with... uh, uh, Jay Hollingsworth out of New York City. Uh, Big Jay Hollingsworth will be our guest on that show. I just got confirmation of that yesterday, but we are featured the Mile High Show at Big Pine Comedy Festival this year, the 19th of September, 5 p.m. at Southside Tavern. The festival runs all weekend. We're going to be recording. I'm going to be recording with our good friend Billy O'Connor uh, at some point during that weekend. I'll be sitting down with festival founder Ryan Stalder at some point there. We're gonna hopefully we're gonna record three or four shows while I'm at the festival. And I'll be sneaking up and doing a couple of the open mics I think too. So don't Whoa. don't tell anybody though. That'll be exciting. No, don't tell anybody. That's <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. I get that'll, the bomb in front of people I don't know. That'll, that's nice. That'll keep them away. 
All righty. So, uh, Dan, Kathleen, thank you so much yeah, for welcome. taking the time. Mark, thank you. thank you for letting us take up space at the bar at Mark's Beer Garden. Well, let's just make it a let's just make it official. This show brought to you this week by Mark's Beer Garden. They are the uh, official, unofficial sponsor of our show this week. And he's got some wicked, wicked <laughs> food called curry. <laughs> oh, you've got to come down and try it. Check it out. You can find out. Currywurst. Oh. Oh, you know what? I've had that. Currywurst. Yeah. The pretzels are really good. They're to die for. Them currywurst. He's, he's actually given me some of the stuff. I don't even want to know and I'm gonna what be, is in that tube. Or Kathleen's going to be making gonna some of that. going to do with that tube. I'm having it for my tea tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> thanks again for the, uh, to the Nightingales for coming down and hanging out with me. Thanks to Mark at Mark's Beer Garden. You can find out information about Mark's Beer Garden at Mark's Beer Garden on Facebook. Find out uh, what's going on there, their hours and their specials, including the Vince Donkey Show every other Friday, 6 p.m., right here in the bar and on the patio. Thanks for tuning in. And calling through the faraway towns Now war is declared And battle come down London calling to the underworld Come out of the cupboard Your boys and girls London calling Now don't look to us Phony Beatlemania Is putting the dust London calling See we ain't got no swing Except for the rain And the truncheon thing the ice is coming, the sun's zooming in Meltdown expected, the wheat is going in Engines stop running, but I have no fear Cause London is drowning I live by the river To the imitation zone Forget it brother, you can go in alone London calling to the zombies of death Quit holding out and draw another breath London calling And I don't want to shout But while we were talking I saw you nodding out London calling See we ain't got no high Except for that one With the yellowy eyes The ice is coming The sun's zooming in Engines stop running The wheat is going to A nuclear error But I have no fear Cause London is drowning out Dial. And after all this, won't you give me a smile?